0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to a sermon from Higgins Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to link others to Christ and His love through our church. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Psalm 48. We're going to be there in, in just a minute. Um, there are lots of ways to send messages this day. <clears throat> uh, <I clears throat> at home, I've got this little little block, and uh, it's got all these yellow things in it, these yellow post-its, and I've got one of those, uh, uh, mine's like the accordion style, you know, so you, know, you you just grab them, you just keep pulling them, and, and you keep getting all these notes, and I love those things. I write notes on them, I write notes to myself, and I write notes to my wife, and I write notes that I want to go the, to the board, and, and uh, my wife just loves it because I post these things all over the countertop. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I can tell exactly what's going on. I just, I just come in, and I take a look at the counter, and there's notes all over the place. And we send email notes, don't we? And, and some of us even do this thing with our hands, you know, and make funny scribbly lines on paper and put it in an envelope and send it off to people. We send notes that way. Some people even do that kind of thing. And we, <clears throat> we write notes, we speak notes, we sing notes. We whisper notes to people and messages, and, and, and we do all kinds of things to get messages out. And a lot of times, the messages that have no words seem to be the loudest messages. There's one place, I won't say where it is, but where I, where I drive from time to time, and, and somebody painted their house the craziest shade of yellow you ever wanted to see. You come up over this hill and it's boom, there it is. I wonder, what are they trying to say? Sometimes you you drive along and you see things in people's yards. And you wonder, what are they trying to say? I remember one place, you know, I I was driving along and looked and right there in the middle of the yard, just as nice as can be, is one of those... um, we don't like to talk about them a lot, but uh, we've all got one in our bathroom, and uh, we, we use that thing every day, and it's got a lid on it and everything. But this one was right in the middle of the people's yards, and I wondered, what are they trying to say? And, and it's amazing. You can, you can send a message just with a look, you know, and it just, it's amazing How many messages you can get out without saying a word. The Israelites had a message. They had a message for the world. And they were proud of that message and they were shouting that message loud. And their message to the world was God is King. And let's take a look. Psalm 48. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion in the far north. The city of the great king, God in his palaces, has made himself known as a stronghold. God reigns. Our God reigns. That's the message they were sending out to all the world, and it was getting out. They were saying, he's here, and he's in charge, and we love him, and we're living by his word. God is in charge. And they wrote it on every building and every place that that they could, and, and people knew that God was in charge. They said to the world, this is God's home. This is where God lives. And the message was no secret. Everybody was getting the message. Let's look a little further. For lo, the kings assembled themselves, and they passed by together, and they saw it. And then they were amazed, and they were terrified, and they fled in alarm. Panic seized them, anguishes of a woman in childbirth, With the east wind, uh, thou dost break the ships of Tarsus. And it's like the east wind was blowing. And as we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever. There was no sign there. There was no message for the world uh, in written, written language. There was nothing that said, stay away. But they got the message. When other countries would come by and when the kings would come by and with other people who, who just, just hated the Israelites and wanted to, to take them over, when they would come by and they'd come near Jerusalem, it's almost like whew, something hit them and they stopped and they looked. And they said, oh, oh, no. Better stay away from that place. And since the beginning of time, the message was always clear. And the message was always the same. Don't mess with God. You lose every time. Don't go up against God. God always wins. Their city was more than just a stronghold. It was a great place of worship. Let's take a look at the next verses, 9 through 14. We have thought on thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. As is thy name, O God, so is thy praise to the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces. that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. <clears throat> it was a place of worship for them. And they had special days when they would go to Jerusalem and they would go to the temple and they would worship God and they would bring all their families and they would bring just about bring everything in their household and they'd come and they'd worship God. It was a, it was a great place of worship. And it was their pride and joy. They did everything to make Jerusalem, not just the temple, but the whole city, just resound in this theme, our God reigns, our God reigns, our God is king. We love our God. Our the the holy city and the temple said to the world, we have it. We got it made. We've got life with a capital L. And why? Well, they said just go look. Just walk around and take a look. Count, count, to, count to the points around the temple and, and just see what it's like. Look at the wall. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> thanks to you folks, I've been to Israel and to Jerusalem. And I got to walk on part of that wall and, and I walked around the wall and, and I could see uh, how it was built and I could see that in his day the, uh, the, the special places where they could see the enemy coming and they could fight against him were, were, were just just magnificent. <clears throat> but you know, it's not the biggest city I've ever seen. <clears throat> in the wall it was the great wall in pictures that I've seen that they've put together of you know what it used to look like made Jerusalem look like a, quite a fortification but not the greatest you see it wasn't their walls it wasn't the ramparts it wasn't the things that they built it was who was there that made it great God was there And he was the one. And he kept it great. And their message was the same. And history proved it out. You look at the ups and downs of Israel. Boy. I never could figure why when Israel was so up and things were so great and they were so in in tune with God and and the enemies could do nothing to them why they didn't always just stay there. But through different kings and bad kings and different situations, you know, they turned their backs on God and God got the message. It's not really your city anymore. You're not really in charge anymore. Oh, we'll give you token attention. But we're pretty good. We got strength we've got numbers we can handle ourselves yeah right and so down they went and the city was destroyed and the temple was destroyed and things were built back up again and then it went down then it went up then it went down Then Babylonian captivity. And, you know, you read the history of Israel and you read about Solomon's temple and Ezekiel's temple and Zerubbabel's temple and Herod's temple and, you know, all those different things are telling you that it was up and down and up and down. And when they were with God, nothing and nobody could touch them. And when they weren't, everything seemed to destroy them. Wow. But they had a message for the world. And at the particular time of the writing of this particular hymn, they'd come back from battle. and They'd allowed God to be number one. And they were triumphant. And their message sounded to all the world. Now we fast forward through in time, if you will, and, and turn in your Bibles to First uh, Corinthians. First <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 6. You see, Paul had a message for us, and it was a beautiful message. <clears throat> I'd like to read just the last couple of verses of chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. He said, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you, from, whom you have from God, And that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Paul said to his people, it's not those things that are made with stone. It's not the temple that you remember. It's not the holy city that you remember. But you, you are very special. You are the dwelling place of God. You are the temple of God. And when you go back and read the context, you, you realize that he's talking about uh, them doing all kinds of evil things and, and still thinking they can worship God. And he said, uh-uh, no, not that way. They even thought that, uh, well, they could, they could have their affairs. And as long as they worship God, it didn't matter. Paul says, enough of that stuff. Understand this, you, your bodies, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are where the Holy Spirit desires to, to reign and to live, your very body. He made it clear, God desires a broken and a contrite heart, not things made with stone, not things made with wood, not things that you can fabricate that, that just look magnificent and boy, we can make some beautiful things these days. Uh-uh, he said. It's you. It's your body. You are the temple. Jesus made it clear to his people and to us too that uh, uh, being right with God is not a legalistic matter. It's a matter of a relationship. Yeah, there's some do's and don'ts, some things we should do and shouldn't do if we're going to live for God. But he said it's not doing those things those, those should come as, as a kind of a complement to the relationship that you can have in the Holy God Himself. God the Holy Spirit will reside within you. And you are the temple. And you are the one who can say to the world, God is here. We used to sing a song. I can't remember exactly how it goes. And, and <clears throat> something like the faith. Uh, faith is the flag that flies high uh, in, from the cap. How how's it go, Candy? Tell us how it goes. Yeah, there, you and Ron know that. <laughs> yeah, and and let it fly, let it fly, let the whole world know, let the whole world know that the King is in residence here. Yeah, we used to sing those songs when we had a bus ministry and brought in all kinds of little kids and everything. But that's what the message we should have to the world. And, you know, the, the, the Israelites figured out how to make it look to the world right without being right with God. And it wasn't just them. Through the ages, we've been able to do the same thing. We can do very religious things. But He doesn't want us to be strictly religious. He wants us to be godly. In fact, there's a passage of Scripture that says, "...fear not him who can destroy your body." but him who can destroy your body and soul. I always wonder about these fear passages of Scripture. And this one is making it very clear. Fear God. I thought we weren't supposed to be afraid of God. I thought perfect perfect love cast out all fear. Why should I be afraid of God? Well, you know, the better way to translate it is have a healthy reverence. God. Get this and get this right folks. If you are not living in a right relationship with God, you better fear Him. Enough of the religious stuff. Get the relationship stuff right. So often we can say the right things and we can look like we're doing the right things. But inside, what did, what did Jesus say to the Pharisees? If you go back to Jesus' day and you look around, you can even do it today if you went to Jerusalem. You look around Jerusalem, up on the hills are all these white boxes. And they're tombs. And in those tombs are dead men. Now, I don't want to be gross or anything, but if you take a body that is deceased and you place it in a cement container sitting on a hill, you know what's going to happen inside that box after a while. It's not pretty, is it? And Jesus looked at the most religious people of his day and he said, you see those boxes out there? You know what's inside? That's what's inside you. No wonder they didn't like him too much. No wonder they tried to get rid of him. And it wasn't because of what he said. It was because what he said hit too close to home. So what about this temple? What about the temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, you are that temple. You, do, do, you, do you realize that? When, you, when you're standing, looking at the mirror and you're getting ready for church or, or for school or whatever, and you look there and say, aha, that's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you can do the work Look right through the mirror. Or let the mirror, you know, the mirror makes you look back. Let it look right into your heart. Because you see, it's what's inside that really counts for Jesus. Oh, yeah, the outside counts a little bit, sure. I understand that. But boy, oh boy, it's what's inside. It's that heart that counts. And let, let it be something that is fitting. For a holy God, and just what would be fitting for a holy God? When you read the scriptures, you understand how holy God is. When you look around, you understand how holy God is. When you think of the cross and what Jesus did, you begin to understand how holy God is, and and what would be fitting for a holy God for a place for Him to live. Well, the Israelites said, it's got to be a holy temple. And they did everything they could to make the temple a very holy place. They, they, did, they wanted it so holy that they decided no people are allowed into the innermost parts. They're going to defile it. They're going to make a mess of it. And they had rules where, where a priest had to do all kinds of sorts of things to, to make sure that he was holy before once a year he went into the Holy of Holies, they called it. The seat for God. And just in case, just in case he talked a better talk than the walk that he was walking, they tied a rope onto his leg. And when he went in there, they wanted to be sure if he died, they could drag him back out. They weren't going to go in after him because that place was holy. Now, you can think what you want about him. <clears throat> you can think what you want about the rituals and everything. But boy, they tried, didn't they? They tried to make that holy of holies the holiest of the holiest places. Now we go all the way up through to New Testament times. We go to the scripture that we have. It's up there on the wall for you to read. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what should it be like in this temple? Should there not be the very center of our being, the Holy of Holies, should we not say to God I know my body is your temple and I want my body to be a temple fitting for you and God I need help I need help making the holy of holies And I understand you want the center of my being to be the holy of holies. And I need your help to make that happen. And when the heart gets right, the rest follows. Israel's biggest problem was being religious, not godly. And we don't want to do that, do we? Paul said to, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 5, he says that, <clears throat> that you're, you're holding on to a form of godliness, but you're denying its power. We need to make this thing of living a godly life as simple as God has made it. It really isn't a huge, complicated thing. He simply said, there's something for you to do and there's something that I can do. If, if you will just surrender to me, I will take what you surrender and I will purify it. I will cleanse it. And by the way, he, says, he said, uh, I sent my son to shed his blood for you, for your sins. And he said, it's really his blood that is cleansing everything that you surrender to me. And so he's saying to us, you want the Holy of Holies? I can help that happen. For us, it's a surrender issue. It's not just surrendering this body. That part's pretty simple. But it's surrendering every part of our body. And that winds up coming up here. And he said, I, I want your thoughts. I, I want your plans. I want your job. And I want your potential. Boy, and that's a big one. He's saying, I want your potential. And he's not like an ugly, mean king that wants everything so he can have it all for himself and we can go around like paupers. Quite the opposite. He's saying, I want everything that you are, everything that you have. I especially want your potential. I want your future so that you can be more than you can possibly imagine. You can have everything that I have in my kingdom. And you can be happy. And you can be contented. You can be full of peace. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at you. I will care for you if I'm king. And I know that there's some mean, ugly things that happen in this world. And I know that they happen to Christians too. And I know all about martyrdom in all about accidents, in all about tough days. But God is saying, I am bigger and I am better than all of them. And I will go with you through those times. And I will not leave you and forsake you if, if, if you will just hang on to me. And if we do that, we can get out our little flag and we can start waving it around for the world to see. Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they see your good works, not so that they can recognize you, but so they they can magnify and praise Almighty God. Let that flag fly high from the castle of your heart and let the world know that King is in residence here and you know what when they recognize that they know if I fight God I lose they know that there's something about you that you've got that they don't have and they want it believe me the people of our day want peace. They don't know how to spell it. They don't know how to draw it. But they sure know they need it. And they need contentment. They know how to, don't know how to draw a picture of that either. But they know they want it. And I could go on and on with the blessings of God. And when they see Him in you, Sooner or later, some of them are going to start following you around. Don't say, would you? Just stay away. Reach out your hand, shake your hand, say, hey, I noticed you've been following. What's up? Say, well, you know, you got stuff that I don't have, and I want it, and I'm jealous of you, and I'm mad at you, and I don't like what you're doing, and I don't like what you're saying. But I sure want what you have. And don't argue with them. Don't tell them how wrong they are. Point to the king. Point to Jesus. And say, he's in charge. He's the one. So we've got a message to get out to the world. And we need to tell the world... We need to tell them verbally and we need to tell them non-verbally. We need to tell them in our jobs and we need to tell them in our homes and we need to tell the world in everything that we do when we hit our thumb with a hammer, we need to tell the world the king is in residence. And on a beautiful day like this, we don't need to say, well, the chlorophyll did the right thing in the leaves and all this stuff. Come on. Look what God has done. Look what he's blessed us with. And let the whole world know. Well, let's, uh, let's stand together and turn in our hymn list to number 372. Because our God does reign, doesn't he? Huh? Okay. <clears throat> let's bow together. Now, I don't want you to get serious with yourself. Does he really reign? Think of the things that you've done over the last week or two weeks or month. Are those things that show that our God reigns, or do they show that you reign, or do they show that you're mad, or that you're confused? And now just fast track up to today and realize that he's saying life doesn't have to be like that anymore. If the picture wasn't so pretty, just simply confess it to God and say, Lord, take that out of me. You have my heart. I give it to you. Make it holy and help me with each step that I take from this moment forward. Help me when I go home to continue to take holy steps. Help me when I go to my job or when I look for a job or or when I go to school or when when I think about my studies or whatever I do. Lord, help me to make this a holy step. Help me to make my heart the holy of holies for you. And help me wave that flag high from the castle of my heart so the world knows that you, my God, you reign. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. For more information, you can find us on the web at higginswesleyanchurch.com. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Also, feel free to subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes for more from the folks here at Higgins. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.